Welcome to the Graveyard Girls podcast with Amelia and Natasha. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to a brand new episode. Yeah. Uh, it's a joint case today. Joint episode, not case. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. No, we have to be <laughs> specific. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, yes, this is a joint episode. So we're going, we're following on from our Midsummer Murders yes. theme. Um, yeah, so basically anything that sort of fits into that category, a murder that's happened that's sort of like in a little village sort of thing somewhere, or a murder mystery that's happened mm. in a quiet place. Maybe someone from like a big city's come into a quiet village somewhere yeah. and killed someone. If it like fits in with something that might end up on the show Midsummer Murders. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're, we're rolling with it because I'm, I'm quite enjoying doing these before i do like a little like countryside mode. yeah um yeah who wants to go first i don't mind i just realized like i wrote it and then i didn't read through it okay so do you want me to go first <laughs> yeah you can okay go. i can't remember who went first in the last one we normally take it in turns but uh, it was a long time ago so what was our previous joint one um wasn't it the inspiring killers one no i think it was the royal killers one. Oh yeah royal deaths uh great <laughs> okay well i'll go with mine then first if you want yeah that's fine okay so this one it's not a mystery we the case is solved we know who the killer is okay but i thought it was an interesting one and it's local to us oh mine's a little bit local to us in that because mine ends up being a mystery after someone may have like wrongly confessed <gasps> to it Ooh. and someone who's accused of it may have committed a crime in our area. Oh, very interesting. Well, I'm going to go with the murder of Annie Haynes in 1907. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, it's local to us because it's, it's happened in Leicestershire. So, it's kind of a little bit of a love story gone wrong. Oh. And I've got extracts of like letters for you later on as well because I know okay. you like a little letter. I do like a letter. Okay. So... Annie met and fell in love with a young man by the name of Archie Page. The pair were just 15 years old when they'd met at school. Both sides of the families had presumed it was nothing more than a high school crush, but by 1907, which was two years later, the pair were still together and the families believed marriage may be on the cards. Oh, so to begin with, they're like, oh no, it's nothing, and then two years later, Yeah, they're just like, oh, oh, they're like, they won't be that close, like, it's not that serious, they're just kids messing about. And now they're like, oh, actually, they are quite serious about each other. Yeah. Okay. They are still young, though. Yeah, so... Yeah, they'll be about 17 now. Yeah. Okay, so a bit more about the pair. So Annie was born Annie Elizabeth Haynes, and she was born in Sutton-on-the-Elms. So she'd grown up around a Baptist church and attended Sunday school every week. Shortly before she'd finished school, her family relocated to Croft, so really close to us. Mm. And she'd also took up extra work as a domestic servant for Reverend Jenkins in Hinkley. She travelled on the train to and from work and appeared to enjoy her time there. She'd also had a, she also had an aunt called Martha Gibbons who lived nearby in Attleborough who kept a spare room for Annie should she ever need it. So okay. sometimes she worked quite late, so rather than her getting the train in the dark all by herself, even though it's only like half an hour, it's not very long, her aunt would keep a place for her and then she could stay there if she wanted to okay. rather than going all the way back. That's good. Yeah. So at the same time, I couldn't find much about um, Archie, but he was basically working at the local colliery, which obviously would have been in Croft. Mm -hmm. And the pair regularly met up in Croft to see each other. And there was also sometimes, if Annie stayed at her aunt, he would get the train and meet her in Attleborough. Okay. Not too far away. Yeah. Yeah, they'd meet up probably like three or four times a week. 
Okay, so they try and obviously work, but also spend time together. Yeah. Okay. So things seemed to be going well for the pair until Archie showed a very different side to his personality. At the end of September 1907, Annie became frightened by Archie after an argument and so had arranged to stay at her aunt's place. Her aunt Martha also had a lodger staying in the house, okay? okay? Which is normal for the time. Yes. Because at the time, like, they quite often rent out a spare room. Okay. Okay. I feel like the lodger might have something to do. Possibly. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So, the lodger was a labourer by the name of Albert Saunders. Mm. He'd been staying in there to earn some extra money before he was due to get married to another lady. Okay. Okay. So that was also quite common for the time. Obviously, they wanted he, a lot of families still expected like the man to have money to provide for his wife. So, I think he wasn't like a seasonal worker, but I think he took up extra work in the areas, like a, almost like a second job. Like maybe this was a bit better paid. So he was doing it for so many months to earn loads of extra mm. cash. Then he'd go back to his fiance and they'd get married and okay. settle down, which was quite common for the time. To and be I think also at this time, like you don't live together before you're married. Yeah, and you also travel. A lot of people travel quite mm. far for work. So yeah, they'll take it. Obviously, the colliery at the time that would have been like a really quite a, well one a common job and two very popular. It would have been a quick way. Yeah, to make money at the time. Yes. Okay, so Annie had met Albert before and apparently enjoyed his company. Yes. Okay, so according to Annie and Art, it was literally just like talking. Okay. Like they just, she just enjoyed his conversations. That was it. There was nothing more to it. But I'm assuming the boyfriend mm, might did not like otherwise. it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Archie decided that she enjoyed Albert's company a little bit too much. Mm. He became jealous of their friendship, and he argued with Annie, claiming that she paid far more attention to Albert than him. Okay. Annie told her aunt that Archie had threatened to use violence, and that she, for the first time, had become scared of him, which is why she stayed with him. So probably realising he'd taken things and gone a bit over the top, Archie came to Martha's house in Attleborough to apologise to Annie. The pair seemed to smooth things over and things returned to normal and settled back down. Okay. So I feel like it was almost like a bit of a teenage spat, like it got really heated. Yeah. He saw there was another man there. Maybe she laughed at a joke or something yeah. and he's like, oh my God, you're sleeping with him, blah, blah, blah. But it's also, they do stay in the house yeah. together. Whereas yeah. like... They only see each other three times a week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you yeah. can see he's probably, he's envious and he's 17 at this point. So he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got yeah. some teenage stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, a bit of pent up anger, I think, yeah. and he doesn't know how to get rid of it. Okay. So that was until Sunday the 6th of October, when Archie's jealous behaviour were to get the better of him again. Oh, no. Mm. Archie travelled um, on the train uh, from his home to Attleboro, this time with his friend Leonard Hunt. The pair were going to meet Annie at the church and then hang out afterwards. However, when the pair got to the church, they found that Annie had already gone in without them and was seated beside Albert as well as her aunt and uncle. Okay, okay. that's, yeah, okay. Mm. So, fuming and feel, feeling like Annie had betrayed him, he ignored her for the entire service. After it, instead of approaching Annie, he approached her uncle, Thomas Gibbons, um, to tell him of his anger and that he would be leaving the area for good. So, like, he said, like, a full spat. Okay. Thomas had tried to part some words of wisdom um, onto Archie by saying that if that's how he's felt, he should forget about Annie and move on. He was young after all and settle somewhere else if he wanted to. So, I think he was trying to calm it down. Like, maybe if you're going to start this behaviour, like, maybe you shouldn't be together. Yeah. Okay. It's like if you're possessive over someone and they can't just be friends with the the other gender, then you're kind of you've got a problem yeah you need to calm down 
because if you love someone you realize that they're not going to do anything like that yeah exactly so i think like i said thomas he wasn't like trying to butt in but i think he was just trying to smooth things over he realizes and i I get the impression he's quite a bit older as well like an older man so i think he's a bit like listen to me son sort of thing so thomas had later reported that he felt archie was on the same page as him and generally agreed Mm. so it would appear that that would be the end of that Mm. unfortunately not no the next day annie had caught the 11:45 morning train to croft as she usually did however to her surprise archie was waiting for her at the station as she stepped off the carriage the pair remained pleasant to each other and archie had made no threats towards annie and so she continued to walk with him okay. and this is obviously planning on walking back to her house okay however the further they walked and talked the more archie's attitude started to change as he entered a narrow lane which ran from the village to Foss Road, which then connected to the railway station, a heated argument broke out. Archie pressed Annie about Albert and how he believed um, that they had engaged in a secret affair. Archie demanded that she confess to this. She denied it, saying that she barely knew the man and just enjoyed a conversation with him. Archie then grabbed Annie by her throat and demanded she confess one more. Once more, sorry. Hmm? Mm. Okay. Still refusing to admit an affair um, and consumed by rage, Archie then strangled her on the roadside. He then swiftly pushed her body into a ditch by the side of the road. Before he left, he took love letters from her, which had then been written to him, um, and stuffed them in the top of her dress. So I feel like he was maybe reading them throughout the night. So in between the church thing the day before and got home, read all the letters from her, yeah. got really angry about it, decided yeah. to meet her off the train because he knew it was her thing. And then was like, after he's killed her, he's like, you have your fucking letters back. Like, he's probably trying to be like, these weren't meant for me. Or he was trying to find like any indication that she was lying in yeah. the letters. Yeah. So yeah, like he's kind of given them back to her. Okay. So obviously desperate to escape, he then ran across the field back to Croft, discarding his braces, which had broken, and a shirt in the fo- one of the following fields. He then arrived at Moore's public house. <laughs> <laughs> It's got the same as your name. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This overlooked the main street and he then went in and ordered two glasses of ginger beer before he walked back to the railway station to catch a train to Leicester. Is he shirtless at this point? Well, I'm wondering if it's an overshirt, like he's got a vest underneath. You know, like they used to have like a vest and then a shirt and then like the brace, obviously the braces over the trousers. I feel like that's what it was like. Mm. Surprising that they're like, oh no, you're you're naked, you can't come in. Yeah, yeah. especially in the time of year as yeah. well, because it's like October. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Strange. it was just like really hot. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you also had a jumper over the shirt, like he'd mm, yeah. put the jumper back on over the top, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, so the train that he was catching was to be the half past one train. A local man uh, called William Herbert would discover Annie's body just an hour later as he drove along the lane towards Broughton Astley. He called for the police and they arrived within the hour. Mm-hmm. Police quickly scoured the area looking for clues and Archie's braces and shirt were found and recovered by the end of the day. So, pretty hot on the case, to Mm. be fair to the police. Perhaps feeling a little bit guilty, Archie wandered around the city streets wondering what he should do. He then decided that he would return to the scene to move Annie's body. Of course, by the time he'd made it back, it was um, the body was gone and obviously it was probably like gone 11 at night. So, uh, very dark and obviously he wasn't expecting to know that the body had already been discovered. So he had a bit of a shock when he got there. And he's like, he's... she's alive. <laughs> yeah, she's wandered off. Either that or he's thinking, oh no, someone has discovered yeah. her. So he gets into a bit of a panic. 
Confronted by the scene and a lack of a body, he was too scared to go home. Instead, he walked uh, north and intended to catch the morning train to Rugby. By the end of the following day, Archie had realised that he had nowhere to run and probably didn't have any money on him because he left in a panic. And so he returned home and handed himself into the police. Okay. Okay. Smart move, mm. finally. I mean, shouldn't have committed the crime, but okay. Yeah. I feel like he did it. I don't even know as though you could say it was premeditated because no. I think to a degree, but I don't think he maybe thought he'd actually do it. I think he just wanted to scare her. Yeah. I think he's so angry and then the anger took over. Yeah, and then, yeah, he's took a bit too far. Now he's panicked and he's, he wouldn't have otherwise murdered someone. He's like, no. oh, he's like, I can just run away and find somewhere new. And then he starts doing it. He's like, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Okay. So once at the police station, he made the following confession. I am sorry now. I done it. I strangled her with one hand and she was dead in about three minutes and I laid her in the ditch. She was with an... She was with another young man on Sunday night. I asked her his name and she refused to tell me. Okay. So he's gone like straight in with it and like just confessed. Yeah. But, but also, he's it's a bit also, weird. he said she was with another man on Sunday night yeah, and she referring refused to, she was, he was obviously referring to Albert. Yeah. But if he knows Albert's name, surely he knows his name. Yeah. But I'd, this is just what was written in the confession. So it's obviously what the policeman's written down is what he said. So they could have missed bits out. I'm just trying to think is that that's what he's trying to like use as an alibi or like not an alibi but uh... no he's basically saying he's got pissed off yeah because she was with another man yeah but i don't he doesn't obviously actually know whether she was another man he's just presuming she's with albert so he's just saying a young man like because maybe he's worried they're like they'll obviously go and check and then yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be like yeah no i'm gay yeah so yeah well, yeah that would be a plot twist wouldn't it <laughs> okay so the following week, the coroner's inquest into Annie's death was held. With Archie's confessions and witness sightings of the pair leaving the station together on, on the day, coroner Mr. Boscoe had no choice but to return the verdict of willful murder. So case closed, right? Mm. Well, on the 29th of October, the trial into the murder began, with a large number of people gathered outside hoping to make it into the courtroom. When the court clerk, Mr. Coleridge, faced Archie and read out the formal charge and asked him how he would plead, shock was felt as Archie turned round and clearly announced, not guilty. You confessed. Mm, exactly. The prosecution read out letters um, which had been found on Annie, which obviously are the ones that mm-hmm. she'd written, mm-hmm. and she'd wrote at length about how much she cared for Archie, but how she'd become upset and concerned over his recent behaviour. The ending to one of the following letters was the one that deeply touched a number of people in the courtroom. Oh, am I going to cry? I don't think it's that soft. Okay, but like, okay. I'm a bit heartless, so you know. That's okay. me crying. Right <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love you dearly, still, and shall go with no one else but you. May God forgive you for saying that I've been going with another chap when I have not. I cannot see what I am writing, for my eyes are filled with bitter tears. I shall be your lover to the death. Oh. Okay. So, I mean, she quite literally was. Yeah, she, yeah. 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 Okay. So, Archie's defense... Um, That's probably tr- what did it, to be fair. If he kept... Re- to the death. <laughs> yeah. So, he just kept going over and said, yeah, I'll, you will be to the death. Yeah. You'll uh, be with no one else. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah. That was the one that kind of got everyone else. They felt like it was a bit of him, like, yes, he killed her. Like, to the death. Well, he, he confessed. Well, yeah, there's that part. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, Archie's def- obviously defense lawyer had to try and put something forward so he tried to argue insanity and accidental death 
okay? Okay. Claiming that Archie was mad at the time he'd carried out the killing and that Annie had died as a result of shock of his actions. Okay? He said he strangled her with one hand... For three minutes. For three minutes. Yeah. Okay, obviously the medical findings uh, proved that strangulation was the cause of death and there was absolutely no way she could have died of shock. Okay? Also, like, to strangle someone with one hand... It's, yeah, quite forceful. Yeah. So the defence counsel then continued to argue insanity as one of Archie's uncles, George Sawbridge, had been locked away at that current time in Leicester's County Asylum. So they were claiming it was something that ran in the family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But the defence were unsuccessful in providing a medical link. So basically, like, I think the uncle was a bit of a one-off. Yeah. just Obviously, they chucked him in the loony bin. And... He might not actually be insane. It's yeah. just the time he might in be history. Or drunk. Yes. A lot of people got thrown in for yeah. there. Um, and you weirdly, I don't know, maybe one of your ancestors might make a reappearance here because Dr. Moore, oh. <laughs> okay, a surgeon at Leicester's uh, prison, said that he'd closely observed Archie and that he'd exhibited no, exhibited no symptoms of mental incapacity. Okay. No. So things aren't looking very good. He's 17. He's got the hormones of a teenager yeah. surging through him. He's angry. Yeah acts almost not i don't want to say rationally but like on yeah impulse (laughs) yeah so of course archie was found guilty however a number of people were concerned about his young age and felt he was far too young to be sent to the gallows Mm. so his sentence was commuted um to serve his time in prison he would end up being released on the 10th of february 1917 to fight in world war one so he was sent off now there was a bit of a tricky thing and it's a bit cloudy because people are still trying to uncover it but I did find out a bit more as to like what happened to him afterwards obviously after the war he didn't end up going back into prison and he remarried another lady I won't say it was 1919 um, and I don't think she knew about his crime he did try to go back to Sackcut which I've seen near Hinkley but obviously everyone saw him as a murderer so kind of shunned him out and she had some family um, on I want to say it was the east coast so they moved to there and they went on to have two children and they lived out his years until like he died. I want to say it was 1949. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he just tried to assume another, not necessarily another identity, but... Well, if he didn't have to return to jail since he served the war, I mean, obviously he killed someone, but yeah, he served his time. Yeah. So I do wonder, would he have, if we hadn't have had World War One, would he have stayed in jail for longer? Probably. Yeah. Because at first, when I looked at him, it was like he was released in 1917. I was like, that's literally 10 years after the death. Like, he only did a decade in prison. I was like... And, like, considering they were still killing people at this point, I thought, God, yeah. that seems a bit lenient. Mm. But, yeah, basically, they released him to go and serve in the war. Okay. So. Mm. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit interesting. How can all... you, like, confess and then be like, yeah, no, I didn't actually do it? I think... But then again, I think, one, partly because of his age. Mm. He was in his teens at this point. I think there was a part of, like I said, I don't... There was obviously an element of premeditation. He was obviously angry and like building up to it. And he was obviously very angry towards her. But like I said, I think it was a spell. The moment thing. I think he obviously started strangling. I don't think he thought he was ever going to kill her. Mm. And then he's done it and panicked. And then he's obviously gone in and thought, oh my god, I'm going to die for this. And like I didn't actually mean to do it. And then I think he's probably got lucky. Maybe had quite a good defense sort of counsel. Yeah. And he said, we can maybe get away with it if we go down this line. Is there any way you could, like, is there any, like, madness in your family? Thinking, oh, I've got an uncle that's locked up. And I think maybe the defence lawyer had told him, like, it'd be quite a viable way to get out of it. So you should try and plead not guilty, even though you confessed. Yeah. Because there's a chance you might get off. And, like, because you're young as well, they're not going to want to give you the death penalty. Which, to be fair, everyone in the court, that was the thing they were concerned about, was it... 
they weren't concerned over his guilt they felt he was guilty but they felt at that point i think attitudes had already started to change and someone that was that young they didn't really like sending them to the gallows they'd like rather just send them to prison but do you know what i mean like i think they were sort of getting to that point where they believed in sort of second chances a bit more and yeah they maybe felt like he did it probably like you know how we've sort of thought oh yeah. he's got teenage hormones if he was a few years older would he have thought like that blah 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 was yeah. it more heated i think maybe some of the jury probably felt the same yeah because isn't it like when your brain is fully developed you're like 25 mm. or something yeah and like i think that. boys are a little bit behind girls so like 35 yeah. <laughs> never <laughs> yeah. but yeah no i thought it was interesting the actual little bit that i found out but the reason it's not been finished off yet is because i think i want to say it's his great great nephew i was looking through some forum things obviously i was trying to find more newspaper articles linked to it and i stumbled across that and they were living somewhere else and they're like oh i didn't realize my uncle was a murderer blah 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 and yeah they were trying to uncover it all but they hadn't been able to find his grave at that point okay. they'd only found his brothers which is still in hinkley okay. sort of way so they were obviously trying to find his, but people were saying a lot of the time, because he was a convicted murderer, a lot of people in the parish wouldn't have wanted him to have been buried there. Mm. So he'd have either been in an unmarked grave or buried somewhere else. And that's when someone else did some digging. Um, it was someone that worked for a local authority and found that he'd been on the East Coast somewhere. So ah. Yeah, so it's not quite complete yet, the story. But I thought it was quite nice that I managed to find out what happened to him afterwards. Because yeah. when I just read that he'd been released in 1917, I was like, uh, okay. Excuse like, me. Why? <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh there's a war going on yeah like, okay so yeah we need why. all the men yeah i thought it was interesting it's very similar to my case Ooh. even though i did say like i wrote it and i can't remember what it is now <laughs> i've jogged your memory if that's what it yes, is you did okay because mine involves teenagers and oh. a confession and then they retract that confession Ooh. okay i'm mm. interested okay so mine is in 1972. Oh, so it not begins... that long ago, really. 50 no. years? No, for... Yeah, 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. Yeah, ish. Yeah, 55. No, 50. Well, yeah. And 50 it doesn't years matter. <laughs> we can't do math, it's okay. fine. So on the evening at about 5.30 on June 7th in 1972, mm-hmm. 14-year-old Judith Roberts had an argument with her parents. Uh-huh. And it's understood that it's because she was wearing makeup. Okay. So she stormed out of the house, grabbed her bike, and rode around the village of Wigington, which is near Tamworth, okay. which is kind of near Birmingham. Yeah. Which is very so close Midlands area ish. Yes, but West Midlands. Unfortunately, Judith never returned home. Ooh. Her body was discovered later that same day under a pile of hedge clippings and plastic fertilizer bags in a field adjacent to the road. And a subsequent post mortem concluded she had been beaten to death. Oh, okay. She's 14. Like, what? Yeah, so police launched a murder investigation involving 200 detectives who collected more than 15,000 sets of fingerprints Ooh. and in excess of 11,000 statements. In addition, officers visited over 11,000 addresses as they made house-to-house inquiries, roadblocks were established in the area, and 4,200 separate pieces of evidence were followed up. But in spite of all this... This is Midland's most intensive hunts for a murder suspect for several years. They couldn't find a killer. Oh my goodness. 
That would be so frustrating as well with like how much effort they've put in. Because that's the one thing they're always accused of in other cases is like they didn't do enough. Yeah, I think because the brutality and she's yeah. 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's technically still a child, isn't she? She, she is well, a child. Yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean? Like some pe- It was really mixed because some people were like, well, they're teenagers, they'll just run off, blah, 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 yeah. all the other stuff. And like, because you know, if like they were 10 or 11, everyone would be like, oh my God, it's terrible, 10 year old girl, she's a child. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it was still the culture a bit at that point. And they're like, well, she's 14, she can almost get, have a kid and get married. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, she's probably, she's wearing makeup, she's going mm. to go out having sex. That's not what implied, but that's what. Yeah, stereotypically yeah. for the time. So near the village there, of where she lived, there is an army barracks. So they naturally questioned those stationed mm-hmm. there because they questioned like 11,000 people. And they probably ruled, uh, questioned them to rule them out. But one pe- person fell under their suspicion because he listed names for his alibis. But those people left the barracks earlier ah. than the murder or the just the day before the murder. Oh, okay, And so... They couldn't provide an alibi for 17-year-old Andrew Evans. Okay. Having suffered an asthma attack, he was awaiting discharge on medical grounds. And on the 7th of June, the evening Judith was killed, he was a day away from handing in his uniform and returning home. Andrew was semi-illiterate, nervous and socially awkward. Okay. As a teenager, he joined the army in hopes that it would, like, kind of bring him out of his shell a bit yeah, but it just kind I feel of like made maybe him... his parents probably pressured him to him like make a man of him yeah and it kind of not made him worse but yeah he's just it didn't help no it didn't help and then obviously he suffered more asthma attacks and then so he left due to his nervousness and then after his discharge he was treated for depression and prescribed valium okay in October of that year, 1972, police questioned him at his grandmother's house and asked him to come into the station for further questioning. This is where it gets a bit odd. Oh. So on the morning of the interview, he told his grandmother that he planned to visit the police station because he wished to see a picture of Judith. Dead or alive? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Andrew, he made the decision after having... Hold on. Okay, so that night, he had dreams of a girl right so he wanted to confirm that the girl in his dream was judith because he's now convinced himself he is the killer right okay very strange yes i don't know why i don't know if he was kind of thing is if he's already on like valiums yeah can they say like can they take his confession this is kind of what happens later on all right okay so yeah he's kind of he's having dreams so he wants to confirm whether the girl he's dreaming about is Judith, but right. I'm assuming she's pictures of her are circulating on the TV yeah. because she's been yeah, so murdered. Already know what she looks Maybe. Like, yeah. Although his grandmother advised against him to confess, he subsequently presented himself at the uh, police station in a distressed state where he made his request, telling them he had a dreamt of judith saying i keep seeing her face i want to see a picture of her i wonder if i've done it oh okay Mm -hmm. during a series of interviews with detectives andrew claimed to have been to have dragged judith from her bicycle then struggled with her in a field asked if he was the killer he answered this is it i don't know show me a picture and i'll tell you if i've seen it oh strange 
but again, he's yeah, semi-illiterate. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, this is when investigators asked him whether he vis- ever visited Tamworth, which is near Wellington. Mm. And he says, I don't know, I don't know. I could have been, I forget where I've been. Right, okay. So he, I think he's very like... I feel like he's getting quite distressed by this point. Like you can imagine the interview unravelling. Yeah, and they're being and very angry. And yeah, being like, and like quite forceful Did you do with it? the question. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. yeah. They did not believe him to begin with, thinking that he was just a fantasist. You know how some people just mm. think yeah. they're helping, but then they're like... Yeah, but they also kind of weirdly want to put themselves in it for... I don't want to say five minutes of fame, but some of them kind of do. Yeah, but then for some reason, even though they kind of don't believe him, they question him for three days, mm. and then they eventually believe him. Right, okay. And after giving a signed statement under caution, Andrew was charged with murder. Right. His trial was held at Birmingham Crown Court in June of 1973. By this time, he believed that he was now innocent. Right, okay, so he's retracted everything. And he attracted his original statement. It was claimed that he his confession had been made with the use of Brytol, which is a so-called truth drug that was later discredited for inducing false memories. Right, okay. Prosecution and defense... the 70s, uh, it was a bit of a... Yeah, there's lots of... Sketchy time for yeah. the police. <laughs> Prosecution and defense lawyers both agreed that the drug's use was used. Right, okay. Apart from the confession, no other evidence was presented and there was no scientific evidence against him and no one saw him... However, Andrews could not provide an alibi for the 7th of June. So it's like they had nothing to link him, but he also couldn't prove that he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Also, a psychiatrist testified that Andrew was suffering from amnesia. Right, okay. So that would explain the gaps in the memories then. So unfortunately, it was too late for Andrew and he was sentenced for, as he was so convinced, all because of a dream of her face. Now, he's in jail for a few years, and we skip ahead to 1994. Okay. Oh, the year before I was born. <laughs> Sorry. It seems like so long ago. I'm just like, I'm not going to say when I was born. So in 1994, a chance encounter with a member of Greenpeace was Andrew's chance to get his conviction overturned. Mm. The Greenpeace member listened to Andrew, who told his story, and he took this story to a producer of a show called Crime Stalker. Oh. So the death of Judith... And Andrew being jailed was becoming known. Andrew then wrote to a human rights organisation who agreed to take on his case. Okay. This hearing took place at the Court of Appeal of England and Wales in December 1997. The hearing was told that in 1972, Andrew had been taking medication prescribed to him for depression. And the judges were critical of the manner in which the police inquired was conducted. It was said that during his questioning... Andrew was offered no medical assistance despite despite his mental and physical condition. Yeah. Police also did not offer Andrew access to a solicitor and often failed to caution him as a procedure required. His lawyers then said that Andrew's confession could not be have given would not have been given had a doctor or a solicitor had been present. You know, they might have said he wasn't fit for interview. Because he would have been diagnosed as unfit to be interviewed. Mm. Due to lack of evidence of Andrew committing the murder, how the police handled the question of Andrew and the court subsequently quashed Andrew's conviction after deeming it to be unsafe, which confused me. But Why? He, 
It's unsafe. Yeah, that's what they say. I know, it's just, like, it's wrong, not unsafe. No, but they're saying, like, it's another way of saying that, like, something's unreliable, like, the evidence yeah. is unreliable, it's, it's just, unsafe it's, to use it. Yeah, so, it's just weird. Yeah, it's it's just another it's way of saying... conviction is deemed yeah. unsafe. And he was released from custody with an immediate effect. He had spent 25 years in jail. This was long, the longest time someone in England had served up until someone else a few years later. So Andrew is now free, but Judith's murder is now unsolved. And people and her family obviously deserve answers and peace. It's always, I always feel sorry for the families yeah. after that. Because like a part of them must feel a bit guilty that the other person yeah. was wrongly convicted. Yeah. But then also, like, where does it leave them? Yeah, because they probably think, okay, we have closure now. We know who Mm. did it. We know what happened. And then you're like, oh, okay. So in 2014, Mm -hmm. not too long ago, Chris Clark, who is a cold case expert and former detective with Norfolk Police, suggested that the murder of Judith may have been one of the five additional killings committed by the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, who also committed... Uh, murders around the Midlands. It was different though, wasn't it? How was she killed? She was uh, beaten to death. Because he hit them over the head and then stabbed them. Yeah. Mm, Sort of similar. Yeah, so Clark cites that they're very similar to Mm. the cases of Barbara Mayo, who was found in 1970 in Derbyshire, the 1973 killings of Wendy Seawall in um, Bakewell. Yeah, so she's still been in the beginning, because I want to say he was 69 that he started killing. And 1974, the Leicestershire murders of Rosina Hillerard and Caroline Allen has been the work of Sutcliffe, since they all bear similarities to the killings that he is convicted yeah. for because i want to say he hit them over the head with a hammer like it was hammer yeah. marks in the head yeah and then some of them i don't want to say just stabbed them in the stomach because that's not very nice it's like not the right way to put it yeah but then others he fully muted them mutilated them by cutting down from their breast down to their pubic bone yeah so which is where he got his name from mm. yeah so i can see why they might think it's him yeah it is sort of similar and it would be in the time frame but yeah then it's like, was he in the area at the time? Do you know what I mean? I know he travelled around, but most of them were either Bradford or... Um, oh, my God. Where was the other place? There was two main... I'm not sure. Chapelstown in... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't think, but basically, obviously, yeah. all the Yorkshire ones. And he did go down to Sheffield, but depending on who you speak to in Sheffield, a lot of Sheffield is still kind of classed as Yorkshire. So it's a bit of... I know it's Westminster. I know he could have travelled round still because mm. he did travel a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's a bit far out. I don't Do you know. know what it's I mean? hard. He's linking these ones with him as well, and then Judith is obviously close to these ones. Because mm. so. the other ones, even though the girls were from other places, they were staying. Yeah. In the area like Bradford or wherever at the time. Chapel's that? I'm one of where it's, that's going to really bug me now. Because the Bradford were the later ones that were picked up on, mm. like late seventies. So he might have been further south mm, yeah, before. in the Midlands before he moved up. That's oh, really going to bug me now. <laughs> It'll come to you later. Yeah. But yeah, so it was definitely wasn't 17-year-old Andrew Evans. Mm. He just... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I agree it wasn't him. I'm still not convinced that it might have been Peter Sutcliffe. That's the only, like... Yeah, I know it, it's hard, isn't clip. it? Because like, he could have, I suppose, been in the area. But I feel like it's a li- it's not massively different from no. the other women. 
but it is a bit yeah i just didn't want to leave that out because that's yeah it's been mentioned yeah mm. so yeah it definitely wasn't 17 year old it would have been interesting to know like who she was friends with at mm. school like did she have a boyfriend maybe that like the parents mm. didn't know about or could it have been someone else in the barracks i don't know Literally, he was the only suspect just because he misremembered yeah. when... Plot twist. You know how the other ones wouldn't give him an alibi? That was the... one of them. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they technically left the barracks before. Doesn't yeah. mean they're not in the area. Yeah. They're just not in the barracks. But, like, I think he just got confused with the day that it happened. This is probably... Well, it is a bit gruesome and graphic, but was there any evidence of sexual assault? Not from okay. what I could see. Because then I wondered if it was going to yes. be, like, a stranger rape and then it went a bit wrong. Yeah. She was beaten to death mm, from the autopsy. Nice. Could still have been a woman. Never know. Yeah. I, I know it's more commonly associated with men. Men. But like no one's looking for a woman. Exactly. So. I, I kind of loosely get why they went for Peter Sutcliffe. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she fits the... I know some of the profile ones he got, he got them are quite wrong, because mm. they clearly weren't. Originally, they thought they were sex workers, didn't they? And then, yep. obviously, not all of them were. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just because it's like, oh, it's a woman murdered? Yeah, <laughs> so, she fits and it's unsolved, so... Because no one would have been looking before, because at that point, Andrew would have been in prison, mm. convicted of it. Mm. 25 years. No, it's a long time. Just because I... In my mind, he just got confused with the date... When they asked him, yeah, like, well, he was clearly mentally unstable, but yeah. at the time, mm. they don't really consider it enough. They're no. like, well, he was convinced of it, and so they, it works. Yeah. Like we can fit it in. I think that's the problem. Is like someone would say something and they made it fit. Yep. What the other person said, and but then, like I said, when it got to court, even though they didn't have any sort of forensic evidence, because mm. what he said was plausible enough. Mm. And that's all it's got to be. Is well, not necessarily plausible. It's just they had no other leads. Mm. Yeah, but I wonder if after he confessed, like, did they focus in on him rather... Like, if he yeah. hadn't have come in, they would have, would have they yeah. still have been looking for other suspects? Like, he's come in and confessed. So, like, naturally, you can kind of understand why they did it, but naturally they would have stopped looking at other leads for a bit because he's ultimately confessed to it. Yeah. So that's what you press on with, don't you? And you yeah. spend all of your time trying to find out where he fits in, like can we prove he said this he said this well we actually yeah that does match with some of the evidence we have like timings wise and then he said this and this was a bit iffy so he's clearly a liar do you know what i mean yeah. they go looking for that stuff rather than keeping it open and still thinking i don't think at that time they did enough to try and work out if it couldn't have been him if yeah. that makes sense yeah. whereas it's obviously still goes on now but i feel like sometimes in a case they'll obviously get a lead and they'll follow it but there'll be someone within the team that will still kind of look like, for look finding for somewhere a way else, that, yeah. yeah, or look at trying to prove how it couldn't be him because mm -hmm. they know that when they get to trial, that's the one thing the defense is going to pick apart. Yeah, is all the reasons as to why it couldn't. I was like, oh, he person. had a dream. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, but did you do it? Is that I may have because mm -hmm. I had a dream, but I'm assuming like I, I said, think it depends how convincing he sounded as well because even though he was obviously mentally ill, he might have sounded really convincing. Well, they didn't believe him initially. It took yeah. them three days worth of questioning yeah. to like be like okay yeah because maybe they did look at his like disheartening thing or saw that he was like mm. been disheartened obviously he had depression they might be a bit like oh he's just coming up with things but then the more he spoke the more convincing he might have sounded do you know what i mean but he's also saying like i could have done it mm. and then he's like convinced himself so much via them asking whether he did it 
See that's what I'm saying. saying. As yeah. more time went on, the more convincing he sounded. And then he maybe said one thing that one officer thought, oh, actually. Or is he not convincing? He, they've just like been like, well. They don't want to close it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I suppose in those, that's it, like se- 70s and early mm. 80s, it's a bit of a nifty time. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of them they just want to rack up the numbers to say like yeah. we've solved this many cases because obviously we'd come out of the war there was a heightened amount of crime mm-hmm. and, then and they wanted guy. to close cases yeah. and I think that person effectively like he just handed himself in yeah. so like they kind this of guy closed is it like, for yeah. them yeah. this guy's like saying what they need to hear and they're like well it doesn't really like seem believable but it's like I think I did it and they're like well we don't have any other leads yeah and nothing, yeah, nothing else is coming up and technically what he said could work so you know yeah we'll go for it yeah yeah i think that's what it, they were just more keen on yeah. closing cases than All they were said properly investigating it they struggled in a field i'm still impressed though with how much information they did gather because yeah. that's a lot of thing, you know especially like 70s and 80s when you look back and even all the kids ones that i've watched where like the kids have gone missing yeah. and whatever like they're like still missing to this day they just didn't do stuff and you know when you look at it and you're like but wouldn't you have just done that and that i know it's easy to say with hindsight but there is so many where you look at them and you think, yeah, but you could have done this. And you're like, you just didn't even bother. So I'm quite impressed almost that they managed mm. to gather that much information. Mm. They're normally still quite sloppy. I suppose it depends what sort of social class they were as well. Because if they're middle or upper class, they are going to put didn't a bit say. more Didn't say, I know. Mm. And also if like she's a blonde girl or not. I don't know, I've yeah. not seen a picture, I don't know. Mm. I suppose it depends how much the family push it as well, don't Yeah. It? And like, how do the family see, like, Maybe. a respectable family, like... Because without sounding horrible, there is obviously the whole stereotypical, like, if they're a council family, like, yeah. they're obviously up to no good. Obviously the mum did it or something. Yeah. yeah. and the, Or they don't take care of the kids properly in the first place, so they are going to go away well. Like, do you know what I mean? It's uh, They put people into groups, effectively, which they shouldn't do, but yeah. they did. And also, because she's beaten to death, it might be because of the brutality of the crime itself. Might have been yeah, like, true. Yeah. well, we need this person off the street. Yeah. Yeah, they, got, they just want it done and dusted don't they yeah yeah well hopefully everyone's enjoyed this episode um i don't think there's much more else to add no i just think it's ended on a sad note yeah well (laughs) well, the thing is none of them are like no it's a bit hard like every now and then you can make a bit of a like hearted joke but like i don't know it's a bit hard isn't it when like someone's died there's only so far you can take a joke isn't it yeah so um no i think it was two good cases it's funny that they're kind of similar yeah it is and like the girls were of similar age obviously yeah. annie was a little bit older but yeah mm. that's not very nice is it no but we, ne- we never like confirm yeah what this is do. it because that's the one thing when we do joint cases it's always really hard because i do worry about that sometimes i was like oh no we're gonna accidentally end up picking the same one mm. but i think we naturally go for different areas anyway so yeah. i think it fits in quite nicely it's good it's weird how, like, the first one we kind of did like this, we ended up with two Charles's. Yeah. Similar I, I do, field I still, murders. I feel like even over a year on, like, I feel like the Charles episode is still probably one of my favourites. So if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to it. It's, like, episode number two. Yeah, I think um, it's episode two. I don't know. I still think I really liked our original ones. Like, I liked doing the first episode as well, because what did you have? Vera Renzi. Mm. And obviously I had Florence Nightingale, so. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I just like that style case. I think it's good. <laughs> good fun i like recording these i like doing them yeah um yeah maybe if anyone else out there is got like another case from like where these times they think fits into the category well, and they want us to murders. cover yeah 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 if anyone's got one that because maybe like they've read up on a crime mm. and like no podcast has covered it and they really want someone to cover it so like drop us a message and we'll cover it for you 
because um, we'll do more of these Midsummer murder themes because I really enjoy yeah. doing these ones. I think they're like my favourite ones to do. Um, so yeah, if you've got if you've got a case for us, we'll cover it if you want us to. So just either drop us a message on Instagram or TikTok or send us an email. Either way, and yeah, let us know. Yeah, um, I think that's it for today's episode. It is. So in the meantime, keep creeping, and we'll keep digging. You did. <laughs>